0: Arizona Coyotes fans and hockey fans on the web and worldwide, you're listening to Desert Dogcast, Five for Howling, and SB Nation's official Arizona Coyotes podcast. I am your host Rob Leonio, joined by my lovely co-host Rose Ford and Carl Pavlik. Also, extremely fortunate enough to be joined by the Arizona Coyotes insider Craig Morgan. Thanks, Craig, for joining this podcast. Oh, thanks for having me,
1: guys. Uh, it, I would look forward to doing this uh, anytime you guys ask.
0: Let's. Go ahead and start things off really quick. Actually, before we even get to this uh, series prediction, Craig, I actually do want to ask you, we had a episode a couple of days ago talking about the the previous series against Nashville. I just want to get your quick uh, reaction to uh, how that one went down and how the Coyotes made it to uh, this playoff round. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I, I think it starts with one name, Darcy Kemper, who held them in so many games uh, when they were just simply under siege early in those games. Uh, I spoke to Rick Tockett about that yesterday, actually, and he he's still trying to figure out why it is his team is getting off to slow starts where they're standing around. He thinks it's a little bit of nerves. They're under pressure and they're not responding to it well, but their goalie has been there to bail them out, sell them down, and then they start playing their systems. They start tightening their gaps. They start getting their legs going and they create some chances. It's It was uh, a familiar script against Nashville. I don't think they want to try that again against Colorado. Hopefully they'll get off to better starts, but it certainly worked in that series.
0: And what's the general feeling from, from that team? I know it seems that you uh, you have definitely uh, obviously talked with the team. Um, first, It's I know it's a whole different team than eight years ago, but it is their first time in the playoffs in eight years. I and mean, obviously, how does that, uh, what's the feeling from from the team right now.
1: I think it, it's different uh, depending on the group of players you're talking about. Obviously, for the young guys, they haven't been there before, so they're a little bit wide eyed, maybe learning how to approach this process, learning how to handle the pressure like Rick Dockett was talking about. But they do have a, a significant amount of leaders on this team that have been deep in the playoffs before. Uh, Nicholas Chalmerson, of course, Derek Stepan, Alex Golagowski, even Oliver Ekman-Larsson a while ago was so. There's enough guys there that I think have been through the wars before that they can provide some guidance. I just still think that this team really needed that sort of success uh, in that series. I, I I know a lot of people are discrediting it because it was the the qualifying round, but they still beat a very good team and and they they got it done. And I think that matters to the the progress of this team to the progress of this franchise, they needed something like that to build on.
2: It's definitely nice to have oh. something positive to talk about for once instead of all of the negative stuff that goes on in the offseason. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes, yes, every offseason it seems. <laughs> I, I mean, it can't be a off offseason if something weird doesn't happen for the Coyotes. It just <laughs> has to. I, I don't know what it is, guys. I really don't understand what it is about these teams, this team's off seasons. And it, it as everyone knows by now, it, it generally occurs when I'm on vacation, but I'm not complaining. I'm, I'm, I'm working a job that I absolutely love. I love covering the NHL, love covering this team. So it comes with the turf, I guess.
0: Hey, I love, I, I love that mentioning that happens on, when you're on vacation. I think that every sports writer has ever gone through that. <laughs> I remember, uh, I don't know, a couple years back, um, I, you know, went on a quick vacation and then all of a sudden, you know, the U of A Wildcats would come up with some big news and I'm just like, oh, great. I'm gone now. What do we, <laughs> it comes out of nowhere. It's unbelievable.
3: I know uh, hey, last season um, I was driving up for a wedding in Northern Arizona the day of the draft. So I basically got to stop every once in a while, write up a bunch of draft profiles and then continue driving. That was fun. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I think we all have war stories to share on that front. But like I said, it's it's just it comes with the job. It really is part of it, so you
0: just accept it.
2: You got to report it when the news happens.
0: That's it. Yep. And but now Arizona to face Colorado again. All like all of these games up in the uh, the West bubble. That is Edmonton. Uh, let's get everyone's thoughts on the, on this series. This is a, another really big series. Colorado obviously finishing second after the round robin. Uh, what does this team look like to you guys, and what are you expecting out of a series like this?
2: Well, I think Rick Tockett pretty much said it today, that as, as it was reported on Twitter, that uh, they have all of the tools, and they're going to be a tough team to beat.
1: Yeah, I don't know if you guys follow uh, Mike Kelly over at The Point Hockey, but he he did an interesting breakdown of this team uh, late in the season, just I think a couple weeks before the season was paused. And and at that point, he had Colorado number one at generating chances off the rush, number one at scoring goals off the rush, number one at defending the rush, and number three in goals allowed off the rush, which is a pretty scary combination of statistics. Um, This team has so many tools. Um, they have so much team speed. They're so good at, at doing what a lot of coaches like to call layering when they're attacking in the offensive zone. So you've got that second wave coming in. And then they're so responsible defensively that that F3 is always up high, always uh, in the right position above guys so that they can get back on defense as well. I don't see a lot of flaws in this team. If if the Coyotes maybe have one advantage, it would be Darcy Kemper. It would be the goaltending. Uh, Colorado has been searching for consistent playoff goaltending ever since Patrick Kwa left. They may have it in in this combination. I'm not even sure who's going to start at this point, but this is a good team. There's a reason why Vegas has this team, even with uh, the Golden Knights, as the favorites to win the Cup this year.
3: Yeah, I keep having to remind myself that the Avalanche aren't the Avalanche of a few seasons ago, where they just have the top line and nothing else. They've definitely gotten better and uh, they're scary. And I am happy that we're not playing the Golden Knights because I, I just don't like that matchup as much, but
0: it, playing the Colorado Avalanche is, is not a, a fun second choice. And what's funny too is from what I hear uh, when a lot about this Colorado Avalanche team is, you know, you, talk, you can talk about how good they are as a team together, but whenever you talk about the team, you always hear that one name pops up, and that's Nathan McKinnon, and he's going to be one dangerous guy to go up against. Yeah, he uh, Rick Rick Tockett said of him that he can stick handle in a phone booth, uh,
1: and he is that scary with his skill. He's He has the ability to make something out of nothing plays, which is obviously an elite and rare talent in the NHL, the kind of number one center that the Coyotes haven't had since Jeremy Roenick left. He is certainly the number one target for them, the number one guy that they have to find a way to at least slow down at limit. I, I think we may see some juggling of the Coyotes' lines as a result to, to give Rock, Rick Tockett a couple of lines that can match up with that line. But it's easier said than done. Again, great speed, great skill. There, there's so much to worry about with this team. And as you guys were just mentioning, they have the depth now. Uh, bringing in Nazem kadri has really stabilized that second line. And he's panned out well as a second line center. But they've also added... A lot of other pieces that have helped Yunus Donskoy Andrei Berkovsky um, even Valerie Natushkin who I think raised some eyebrows when they acquired him from Dallas initially he's become a terrific two-way player for them as well this team really can roll four lines as well as any team in the NHL yeah and, and it's and
2: they also picked up uh, Vlad Nemesnikov at the deadline too And that's another acquisition that's helping out their forward depth um, and of course they've got a really good defensive uh, player in Kale McCarr as well.
1: Yeah, we haven't even talked about the blue line (laughs) in Kale McCarr, who is rapidly rising the ranks of best defenseman in the NHL. I'm just glad that they didn't get Taylor Hall, because I remember that being
3: rumored for a very long time. And this team with Taylor Hall would have been, I think, probably unbeatable or close enough to it that you would see in, in the modern NHL.
0: I got to ask though, what would have, let's say like either via trade or any other form of acquisition, what would it, Colorado have to give up to get Taylor Hall if that was, if that would have been the case?
1: Yeah. I don't even remember what was discussed at the time. There's been a lot of talk that they may be in on Taylor Hall as a free agent in this off season. I had a long talk with Ryan Clark who covers this team for the athletic um, and and asked him about the possibility of it happening this off season. And, and while you can't discount the uh, the opportunity to add a player of Taylor Hall's magnitude you know his point was while they have a lot of cap space available this offseason they have a lot of decisions to make on restricted free agents and other players coming in the next couple of seasons so in order to make that happen they would probably have to move a couple pieces out that doesn't mean it's not going to happen but the Avalanche have some work to do even to bring in a guy like Taylor Hall
2: yeah and as of right now they have the fourth lowest cap uh, cap. Pit. So I, I'm sure that seems attractive to a lot of folks. but
1: Yeah, and, and I mean, if you're Taylor Hall uh, and you're looking at the possibility of playing on Nathan McKinnon's wing, that's pretty attractive for a guy that wants to play playoff hockey, wants a chance to win a Stanley Cup. And and again, they might have some of the money. I've, I've heard it floated with, with some people that maybe he signs sort of like a bridge deal until the uh, salary cap is able to rise again, more in the seven, eight million year range for, for an annual salary. But, I, you know, I don't know. Taylor, Taylor has said that's not the case. He wants to sign a long-term deal. You just don't know how much COVID has impacted the free agent market. I don't think we have a full sense of that yet.
2: I'm sure there's somebody out there who'd be willing to give him term.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing, right? All it takes is one team. And maybe Calgary is another player in this. He could go back to his hometown. They were in on him before.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how, how that goes down. Obviously, it's going to be a big fight for Taylor Hall in the upcoming offseason. Um, and like you said, Craig, too, we don't know exactly what that, you know, the offseason is going to look like with the cap, too. You know, I from what I know, too, is it just not projected to go up or is it just going to stay leveled? Yeah, it's going to be flat for at
1: least next season. Now they have to reach a certain uh, NHL revenue has to reach a certain point for it to increase. I don't see that happening in two years. I find it really hard to believe. So we could be looking at a, a flat cap for at least a couple of seasons. Um, but again, I'm, I'm really curious how it impacts the UFA market. I, I, I believe Elliot Friedman is actually working on this story, uh, working as sources to get a sense of what it's going to look like. I hope to see that soon because I'm really curious about that.
3: It'd be interesting. I imagine like the first Couple players who sign is just going to set the market, and everyone would kind of react to that. Or if you know the agents are a little bit smarter, maybe just sitting back and be like, "No, let's let's not be the first one through the door." For th- yeah,
1: yeah, that's interesting to think about. Actually, yeah, you do you do you not want to be that first guy that signs a discount deal, and then somebody else catches in?
2: Well, one thing we do know about Taylor Hall and the Arizona Padres is that he really likes the guys on the team. So maybe that is something that can convince him to actually stay in Arizona.
1: I think comfort is a, a bigger factor in the NHL than it is often in other sports. I, I think there, there's a, maybe, I don't want to say an unwillingness to change, but maybe a, reluct, a reluctance to to change sites again. I mean, he had to do it already this past season. So maybe that works in his favor. But, you know, ultimately, I still think that money and the the opportunity to win are going to be the biggest factors in, in where Taylor Hall goes.
2: But that's going to depend on how far the coyotes can go in the first season,
1: too. Yep, absolutely. If they can make a, a run here, if they can pull an upset here, that could change his thinking altogether.
3: The coyotes kind of- getting to the second round depends on Taylor Hall. The coyotes keeping Taylor Hall depends on the coyotes getting to the second round. It's like an- <laughs> snaking its tail.
0: And that's funny because uh, that's actually similar to, to what Rose said in a previous episode about Taylor Hall in the qualifying series that winning that series was also huge. So that as they progress, that importance gets bigger.
3: I'm just glad when I watch Taylor Hall play, uh, especially in that Nashville series, he seems like he's having a, a great time. Like, it's not like he's struggling in the playoffs or like frustrated. He seems to be enjoying every second of it. And, and that's a good thing, at least.
1: Yeah, I think he's been relatively productive. He's been good in a lot of areas. I, th- I think there have been points where, I think Rick Dockett has said this, uh, there's a tendency to overstick handle a few times and maybe get an individual, uh, try to create things on his own. But for the most part, I think he's stayed within the system. He's been he's been really responsible defensively. And, uh, yeah, I, I think he's just enjoying being here.
2: Well, that's probably going to be true of everybody who's a uh, top producer on the Coyotes. It's what him, Castle, Clayton Keller. Everybody contributed to the the win over Nashville, and they're going to have to do that again if they want to beat the Colorado Avalanche.
1: Yeah, I would like to see their possession numbers a little better than they were in that series. <laughs> it's, a, it's a little scarier against Colorado than it is against Nashville, which maybe doesn't have the, the you know the top end talent that that, that Colorado does. Um, I, I like the fact that their their stars came to play and, and contributed offensively, but again, they they have to do a little bit better job of managing the puck and maybe, you know, uh, well, it's not going to be managing the cycle against Colorado. They're not that type of team like Nashville, but they certainly have to. Manage the rush, and and that's that's a major challenge again against this team.
2: One yeah, glad- on everybody's mind about this upcoming series is: Are, are Nick Schmaltz and Antieranta going to get a chance to play?
1: I think so. Uh, at some point, Nick Schmaltz is progressing. Um, he's he's back at practice. You know, I don't know if he's going to be in Wednesday for Game One. But I do think he's close, and if we don't see him in that game, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him in Game 2. Auntie Ranta, uh Rick Tuckett uh, said he skated with the, uh, the extras today, and if all went well today, he was going to join regular practice tomorrow. That was sort of the last test he had to pass. So he could be the backup in Game 1.
2: That's, that's encouraging.
1: Yeah, it's you know, it's it's you just never know when you take a shot to the head how long it's going to take to to feel right. And and things can come and go. It's it's a really unpredictable injury.
3: Yeah, and that that was a brutal looking puck to the head to the head. It hurt my head and I wasn't even there nor wearing a goalie helmet. It was just like uh, sympathetic head pain.
1: <laughs> it's a good thing Brad Richardson scored the game winning goal on I think I'm goalie. <laughs>
0: Yeah, had a lot to forgive him for. <laughs> now, another thing I do want to know um, is uh, we, we, one of the things that we were talked about in one of the in the previous episodes is this veteran leadership. You know, we've seen we've seen a lot of these guys, like uh, like John, like Nick, Nicholas Johnlin, and of course now Phil Kessel, guys who have been in the playoffs before. Uh, you know. How important is that going to become as this, as they keep progressing? Of course, now they're in that first round and, you know, if they can if they get past Colorado, how more important is that, you know, veteran presence?
1: I, I think it's always important. Uh, may, maybe it's, it, you know, the, the stakes ramp up, obviously the, 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 deeper you go into the postseason, and, and as the deeper you go, the fewer guys who have actually been there, but I do think that that's a valuable thing. For, for the uh, the rest of the team have on the flip side um you know as as the younger players play more and more postseason games they probably get more and more comfortable and then there's this just this unique setting that we have this year where you don't have the crowd so you're not playing in in somebody else's building you don't have that sort of pressure weighing down with you i don't I don't even know what to say on that I don't know how that impacts the games on the ice because we've never seen it before but there is that element at least removed nobody has home ice.
3: Yeah, it's been really interesting to watch hockey without the fans, um, because people are always talking about the crowd, and it's something that I don't necessarily discount, like the effect that a crowd has on the players, but I'm always s- skeptical of it, because there's no real way to know, but yeah, now everyone's kind of like at a even, you know, standing when it comes to that. Everyone's in a hotel room, uh, everyone's playing to to nobody except for the the nice people who throw hats on there when there's a when there's a hat trick. It's really <laughs> interesting to watch.
1: Yeah, you really have to generate your own energy because you're not going to get it from the crowd, and that's the one thing I guess I would say about home crowds is sometimes they can help feed the energy and help feed momentum, and and teams just don't have that now.
0: Yeah, and, and uh, that, that, that's definitely an, inter- an interesting point because as we were. As we've been able to look at too is how that works. Honestly, I really like how the NHL has uh, put the game presentation out here without the fans. I mean, you know that you know pumping in the crowd noise that's one thing, but I think a lot every, everything else, all things considered, I've like I, I've just been a big fan of the way they put it out, and maybe that's another thing that the fans like too because it's just a different kind of feeling.
1: Yeah, it's been cool to watch, actually. I, I'm wondering how many of these elements that we've seen, the graphics, et cetera, might be incorporated into future broadcasts. Obviously, we're not going to have fake crowd noise or, you know, <laughs> uh, fake goals yeah. on, things like that. But uh, by, and lar- by and large, I, I think they've done a really good job. And in, in some of the camera angles, some of those things I think we could see in future broadcasts.
3: I do really like the visuals, um,
1: and I've I've been trying to think how they could
3: actually incorporate it, because it seems like it's cutting down a lot of visibility for what would be the sides, but I'm like, I like that giant screen, I like the focus on players, I like seeing like a massive Coyotes logo, or a Colorado Avalanche logo, it just looks really cool
2: i don't know if you guys have noticed but actually the um the fox sports broadcast has been including their own advertisers not just the regular board advertisers on the glass too so i could definitely see that becoming a regular feature
0: and that's something that you see pretty often even in other other sports too you will like um you'll see like you've ever been to a like a, like a game live like you might see it like let's say like a baseball game for example you'll see a green screen behind uh behind the batter and they put and TV whichever TV is there will put up their ad, advertisers and then uh it, and it you you don't see so yeah it's green screen when you're there watching TV you see the you see the advertising so obviously it's not I don't think it's a green screen actually actually there but the uh yeah it wouldn't surprise me that they're start putting more local visuals on tv broadcast
3: do we really need to have like updated advertisements though like it's like the one part of hockey i'd rather see a lot less of just
2: less ads yeah i get that but if it helps the revenue go up then sure sure yeah
3: it it definitely is gonna help the teams make money and all just i don't know it's aesthetically
1: not as pleasing <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and I wonder, I wonder if we'll go down that road even more. I, I've heard some people talk about, you know, you you see in European leagues uh, all the advertising on the jerseys, and I I still think that 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 sort of canvas is still sacred to players and to the NHL. But I wonder if they might go down that road a little bit with shoulder patches, things like that, just again to to create another revenue stream. The NHL is always looking for ways to make more money. I honestly think. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yes, it has. <laughs> Right, and it's not like the regular
3: jersey doesn't have a bunch of Reebok logos on there. Uh, Adidas now or Adidas.
0: Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me though. They start they they start putting a lot more on ice advertisements, which they've already started. You know, right next to the trapezoid.
2: One thing that has disappointed me about the presentation was this was supposed to be the year that they were going to be doing all the enhanced statistics and things that were supposed to be the right. playoffs but all of that got quashed because of the i guess the need for the
0: bubble i mean i'm not sure if uh if craig is something you like you, you can answer but wouldn't it be maybe something that would have been easier going into a bubble you know you can set up the the, the advanced cameras get the chips in their jerseys or in the pocket or you know however that uh advanced system was supposed to work
1: yeah i just think they had so many other things on their plate that they decided to shelve it for now um yeah it, it, it will be here we will see it soon and I, i'm definitely looking forward to that but man this was this was a lot to manage as it was
3: it's also just like a lot of changes for the players i'm sure they don't want like an extra thing to be thinking about even if it's like not like at the front of your mind if you, you know you have a chip in your jersey that's still going to be there. It's going to be like one of the many things that are adding up to make this experience different than any other experience. Um, and I'm sure you kind of want to minimize that.
0: Absolutely. Um, one thing I do want to circle back to is, uh, going back to that goaltender talk, uh, because Craig, you were saying you know one one of the one of the big reasons the Coyotes are where they are is because of Darcy Kemper. Let's and let's touch on on, on that value that he adds. He's he's been he's been phenomenal for the Coyotes so far. Say that.
1: yeah, no question about it. And like I said earlier, if they have one advantage, it's that. Uh, again, I I don't know who's going to start yet. I, Jared Bednar has not announced it yet, and Philip Grubar Grubauer struggled a little bit. Um, in the in the games to date, that doesn't mean that he's not going to be in goal because he played pretty well last season. But they have uh, a little bit more of a quandary than the the Coyotes do, where Darcy Kemper has just played at an elite level. I mean, the goal saved above average is he's, he's just posting an absurd stat right now. He's he's clearly been the biggest difference for them in the in the postseason so far. And look, they're going to need that to be the case for however far they go in this postseason because. He's their best player, and that's, that's how they're built. They're built on goaltending and defensive structure, so he has to continue to play at that level.
0: And I absolutely love always the... Uh, uh, people will, will, will hate me for saying it, and people will hate really almost anybody for, say, for saying the cliche, saying that it takes a hot goaltender to win the cup, but you know, as cliched as it is, I mean, it's not wrong.
1: No, it's it, it can definitely aid in in that process. Uh, look, I again, I don't I don't think the Coyotes can have a deep run if they keep having the sorts of starts and and spells in games like they had against Nashville. I think as you go deeper in the playoffs, you're going to face teams with more elite finishers that they're they're just better teams. Period. But at the same time, I'm always bothered by the narrative that oh the, the the natural predators deserve to be winning because you know look at all the underlying metrics that say they deserve to be winning. Well. Goaltending is part of the sport, too, and, and it's a major part of the sport. I don't know of a position in professional sports, at least one guy, that can impact the outcome of games more than the hockey goaltender. So he was he was clearly a major difference. I said he was going to be at the start. I was actually on a Nashville radio station, and they were kind of scoffing at that idea, saying that UC Soros was right at Darcy Kemper's level. Well, that didn't turn out to be the case. Darcy Kemper was a massive difference.
3: I'm not sure her, who would... Realistically say that Soros uh, is on Kemper's level. That is <laughs> phenomenal.
1: Well, let's talk radio. So. <laughs> sure. You have to have an opinion sometimes, but yes. uh, that's, a, that's a take. It was definitely a take. I was pretty surprised to hear them saying what they were saying.
3: I mean, they must have just looked at him and been like, hey, look, Darcy Kemper, he was once traded for Tobias
1: Reeder and Scott Wedgwood. How good could he actually be? And... <laughs> Just hadn't looked up anything after that. Yeah, they didn't take well to me also pointing out that Pecorino had an absolutely god-awful season, uh, which he did. And, and Adam Vinga, the, the uh, beat writer for The Athletic, has said that multiple times as well, that there was no contest between who they should put in goal. But they were, you know, Pecorino is very, very special to that community, to that hockey community. I get it. He's He's been in, their, he's been in all their postseason games for a very long time up until this season, but bottom line is uh he just wasn't very good this season and and while UC see sorrows i thought played well down the stretch i mean that's a that's a short sample and darcy kemper did it really pretty much over the entire past two seasons
3: yeah didn't uh renee have like a ridiculously long uh start uh for the playoff streak going like I I thought it, was it was 89
1: straight i think if that i'm is- remembering that correctly wow yeah, that's insane. Going all I mean, we remember when the the last time these two teams played in the postseason in two thousand twelve, he was their goaltender. That's a long time ago. Yeah. And, was, and up until like this season,
3: he's he's had a couple of off seasons. Um I remember what, a couple of seasons ago he um didn't he have like a core injury or, or something that was affecting his play?
1: Yeah. Yeah. He, you're right. He has had a couple off seasons, but he's, you know, he's been a stalwart for that franchise for so long that it's, it's, it's just one of those guys that they, I think a lot of people have a hard time looking critically at.
0: All right. So let's go ahead and try to make some predictions in this series. Um, cause this is going to be an interesting one. Uh, I like this series. It's going to, I think it's going to be really fun, but I want to hear from you guys. How does this series go down? You guys, I'll go first. <laughs> Rose, you want to go first, or you need some done?
2: Yeah, because you know I love doing predictions. Okay, absolutely. I'm, I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna be the negative Nancy, and I'm gonna say it's the Colorado Avalanche in six. I think that um, even though we we do have probably have the superior goaltending, I know that depending on who they start, Philip Brubauer or Powell. Offenses, I, I still think Darcy Kemp is better than either of them, but um, I think that their offense is going to figure out a way to overcome that. Mm.
3: Fairly reasonable. Not. I wouldn't say that's too pessimistic. You gave him six. Uh, I'm a bit more optimistic. I, I don't see this series um, ending in a coyotes win without it going to seven games. Uh, I think Colorado could probably close it out earlier than that, but if the Coyotes are going to win, it's it's going to take seven.
0: Yeah, it's if it goes to seven, I think that'd be really exciting. The and it what makes things diff, what makes it difficult for, for me to make this make make a pick here is seeing the way Colorado played in the round robin. I know that was a you know, it's a completely different style. They But you saw they played against, all oh, again, the top three teams in the West and in Dallas, St. Louis, and Vegas. And a lot of them were pretty close games, uh, one down to the last tenth of a second. Um, and man, were they exciting to watch. It's going to be a hard, really hard one for the Coyotes. I do think Darcy Kemper will bail them out for a few games, but I'm all, I'm going to have that same prediction as Rose. I'm going to say the uh, Avalanche are going to win this one in six games.
1: All right. I guess that leaves me. I, 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 I don't know how much to put, how much stock to put in this. Uh, the Coyotes have been pretty competitive with Colorado the past two seasons. Uh, they played a lot of good games against them, um, and as, as as you can imagine, Carl Soderberg is is helping the coaches do a little bit of scouting on this team, and and apparently he likes the matchup. He thinks they can frustrate them. But again, uh, there's a reason that Colorado was picked as a co-favorite to win the cup. I, I just think they have too much firepower while they haven't really accomplished anything yet. I think this is a team on the rise. So if the Coyotes can get this to six games, I, I think that's a feather in their cap. I, I would not be surprised to see it end in five games, but if they can get it to six, that would be a real feather in their cap. Um, by the way, six games is what Ryan Clark is picking as well for, for the, uh, avalanche. Um, But uh, another source, none other than Ray Whitney, former Coyote, thinks that the Coyotes could really give this team trouble. So we'll see who's right. I mean, I'm always down to just listen to whatever Ray Whitney says. (laughs) (laughs) Me too, man. One of the best quotes in Coyote's history. Yeah, I miss
3: him. I'm really sad he went to like what Dallas that last year
1: yeah yeah they they just didn't want to pay him that that final season you remember how things were around here i mean pretty much for all the coyotes existence they've had uh money problems but uh he was you know what the funny thing about covering him while he was here is while while he was always fantastic when we got him he would always tell us that he didn't want to talk to us he would make a point of telling us that and he did it with a smile on his face too he knew what he was doing but the guy is an unbelievable analyst i would take him any day
2: I'm sorry, Craig. What exactly was your prediction,
1: not Ray's or Ryan's? <laughs> I thought I was just going to slip through this without actually making no. it
0: down. Okay,
1: thank, Thanks, Rose. Uh, wow, okay. Um, well, I, I guess I'll, I'll go with the optimistic prediction, too, and say Avalanche in Six. So I am the only one who thinks the Coyotes are going to win
0: this one,
3: and I didn't even sound that uh, optimistic
0: about it, so it probably shows something. See, a part of me really wants, really would have wanted to pick the Coyotes, but remember in the uh, pre-postseason, the actual, the a- episode that we had before the Nashville series, I kind of already said that Colorado was gonna gonna win the West, so I kind of can't back out from that. I guess that's why I locked myself into that pick.
1: Yeah. I'll make myself feel better by noting that I did pick the coyotes to beat the predators. So, so at least I had that going for me and it, it's just this series, man. Look, I, I think all of us would like to see the coyotes win not necessarily because we're rooting for the team, but just because it, it's good for business, right? It's, it's good to continue to cover the playoffs. We'd all like to see that. And it's more fun to cover a team that's having success, but this is, this is a brutal matchup for them. I think Colorado and Vegas are both as good as it gets in the NHL that if if those teams don't meet in the Western Conference final, I'll be surprised. Yeah. I, I just did my
3: NHL bracket challenge last night, and the the constant receding has caused me to just ignore any other prediction I had for what's gonna happen. I was like, I have no clue how I got here, but all of a sudden the Philadelphia Flyers are winning the Stanley Cup, and I did not predict that before the start of it. But once you get into the individual matches, that's how it worked out for me.
0: All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to take a uh, quick couple second break, so we can uh, hear from some from advertising, and then we will come right back. You guys are listening to Desert Dogcast, and we're back. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Desert Dogcast. I'm Rob Lianja, joined by Carl Pavlik, Rose Ford. We got Craig Morgan, the Arizona Coyotes insider, <laughs> with us today. We just talked in the last segment, we just made our predictions for Arizona versus Colorado. Unfortunately, guys, most of us got Colorado winning this one in six games. Carl has it. Arizona winning it in seven. So we'll see how that one we'll see how that plays out. But let's go ahead and make some a quick look around to the other games going on in this uh playoffs, because we got some pretty interesting matchups, guys. Which one do you want to start with? We're going to start on the Western Conference because, well, we are a Western Conference podcast. So let's start with the top-seeded Vegas Golden Knights against the Chicago Blackhawks.
1: Oh, this one's hard for me to talk about. I think you guys probably know that I grew up in Chicago and <laughs> I have my own thoughts about the Blackhawks that I read Stan Bowman's comments today on how this can accelerate the process for their future. Um, I'm not sure I agree. I'm not sure this was the best thing for the Blackhawks, but I don't see this as a good matchup for them at all against Vegas. Uh, the Blackhawks do not defend well. They don't defend well at all. And Vegas has a hard, heavy forecheck that forces you to defend at your own end. I I think this is going to be a short series.
3: Yeah, luckily I'm from outside of Buffalo, so I don't have to worry about my hometown team making it to the playoffs. Um, Yeah, Vegas is going to, uh, I think, steamroll Chicago for this one. But I think a lot of people also probably predicted Edmonton to beat Chicago. Very few people seem to give Chicago any credit going into this. So maybe they surprise you. I I don't imagine Vegas is going to go easy on them or underestimate them in any way.
0: The one thing I will say is I made a tweet about this partially joking, but also partially serious is like I said, lesson learned never count out Jonathan Tays in the postseason. Um, And that's, you know, kind of real, but the, the fact of the matter is they're going against Vegas which, again. They're the top seeded team and they're the top seeded team for a reason. Um, They've, uh, you know, they weren't afraid to spend that spend that money up front early, and you know, get that super superstar talent that they that they have now. And it's the, again, they are a really scary team. It's what I'll say is I, I think Chicago will give up a fight, but again, they're going against Vegas. I don't think it's going to go any other way. Vegas is going to almost easily handle handle this one.
3: Was that hard for you
0: to say that Vegas is going to win? Yeah, I had to sigh and, sw- and uh, take a big gulp for a second. <laughs> what do you got, Rose?
2: Yeah, I'm going to have to go with everybody else on this and say Vegas as well. Um, yeah, I didn't yeah. think Chicago was going to get past the play in against the Oilers. I thought, you know. Dave Tippett wasn't going
1: to be stupid enough to start Mike Smith, but what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> so, it's so true. It, it, yeah. It, and Dave Tippett is a terrific coach. He he did a marvelous job while he was here, but I was, I was stunned to see loyalty overcome logic because Mike Smith did not belong in goal. And that just put him behind the eight ball. When, when I look at that series and I also picked Edmonton to win that series, in some ways, I think it was the best possible matchup for the Blackhawks because they they could use their speed. They could use their experience against a team that just hadn't been there a lot. And Edmonton doesn't defend well either. They, they, they're a train wreck still defensively. So a lot of things played in the Blackhawks' favor. And yes, you, you mentioned Jonathan Taves. Still uh it, it's good to see him playing at that level once again, but I'm not sure that he'll be able to play at that level against Vegas. Uh things are gonna be a little tighter against the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, and I, I think the Blackhawks are in big trouble in this one. Yeah, and I
2: everybody mean, knows that Dominic Kubelik is one to watch out for too. So
1: Okay, I, I I was I mean, I didn't I didn't have him in my top three for Calder voting. I have to admit this, and, and you guys know I'm a Blackhawk fan, but I didn't see enough from him in the regular season. I, I thought a couple of goaltenders got overlooked in the Calder discussion. Um, but what what he did in the postseason was just eye-popping. He he had a heck of a first round against or a qualifying round against Edmonton.
3: I mean, I'm just glad that Edmonton and Toronto lost. I was explaining to my friend, I'm like, both of the home teams of the Hub Cities Lost and they're not going to the playoffs. And she actually didn't get it for a while. She's like, wait, explain that to me. And it's like, well, it was taking place in Edmonton and in Toronto. Both the Oilers and the Maple Leafs were potentially going to make the playoffs. And now they both were eliminated. And it is hilarious and the most NHL thing to have happen. <laughs>
2: Yeah, Let's go to the, for uh, oh, go ahead. for um I'm sorry, for the Oilers to be taken out by a twelve seed just has to throw salt in that I just wonder
1: how how long is Connor McDavid gonna go without any sort of postseason success? It it has to eat at him, and, and it's not like it was Connor McDavid's fault, but my goodness, we we're we're talking about the best player in the league and he just hasn't tasted any postseason success yet. It's crazy. It's just crazy.
0: It it almost seems that I think. In some media availability that he's had, it almost seems like he does seem frustrated about that. I I mean, I would be too. So,
3: I don't think it's gotten to the level where Jack Eichel seems like he's pissed every second. People ask him about Buffalo. I don't know if McDavid's there yet, but uh, that's it's got to eat away at him.
2: Definitely does. Why did he say two more?
3: He's got two more seasons until that no movement
1: clause kicks in, so now's the time to trade him. <laughs> yeah, I don't see that happening.
2: Maybe I'll trade
1: him for a second pairing defenseman, one for one.
2: <laughs> Unfortunately, Chiarelli is no longer. The man, so that's not
1: likely. <laughs> you believe his name is surfacing again? By the way. Oh no! No. Cannot
2: I can. happen.
1: Simply cannot happen. Could anyway. you? Could you Go imagine,
3: ahead. real quick, if Edmonton becomes the team that trade away Wayne Gretzky and Connor McDavid?
1: <laughs> I, I just can't see that happening. I can't fathom <laughs> that happening. Crazier things obviously have happened. Wayne Gretzky was traded, but yes, that would be would be a colossal mistake.
0: That so would put the Oilers fan base through so much torture. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gone a lot.
1: yeah. Uh, I just I,
3: I keep hoping for it because I like chaos.
0: Are you an agent of chaos, Carl?
3: Uh, no, I don't work for Chaos. I like freelance.
0: Oh, oh okay. <laughs> Let's go ahead and talk about this. Uh, the next matchup in the West, we got the uh, Dallas Stars and the Calgary Flames. I don't know what to think
3: about the Dallas Stars. I, I I haven't been able to get a good grip on them as a team this year. Um, I have a little bit better understanding of the Calgary Flames and, and their strengths. But Dallas is just that X factor, and I'm going to go with them to win this one.
2: All right.
1: Go ahead, guys.
0: So I have kind of I I've, I've been high on Dallas even in their early in the season and uh a lot of that might be for my uh my soft spot for Joe Pavelski but uh they, the the way they played in the round robin concerns me. Uh yeah, and
2: Didn't they only win
0: one game in Brysh? Bayer- they only no. won one game in uh, yeah, and yeah, over St. Louis who didn't win in the round robin so that kind of gives you a load of concern um, however I don't it's going to be weird in that, in, in that sense because I don't know really what to expect what kind of level because the, the game against St. Louis I think they definitely picked it up um, and I think maybe they're figuring that out now so I'm just going to go out and say Dallas has got this one
2: Go ahead, Rose. Okay, well, um, I think I'm going to go with Calgary for this one. I actually, in the last round, had chosen against Calgary because I had forgotten that they have Cam Talbot in addition to Dave Riddick in their goaltending because who can remember who's where anymore? (laughs) so, yeah, I'm going to stick with Calgary for this one. And I think part of that, a big part of that is because um, I don't know if Ben Bishop is going to be able to play for Dallas.
1: Yeah, so- I saw they announced that he's uh, Rick Bonus said that everyone's healthy now. Tyler Sagan and Ben Bishop are healthy. I'm, I'm not sure I believe him either. <laughs> so I, I don't know about the health of the Dallas Stars going into the series, first of all. And this team just struggles to score goals. They are so challenged offensively. Um I don't like I didn't like the way they were playing. I, I don't like anything that I've seen from them recently. Um and and again to I don't know what to make of of these crazy playoffs, so anything can happen. I mean, I uh, Luke Lipinski, and Jamie Eisen, were talking about that game 5 with Columbus in Toronto and and Luke was saying, "No way Toronto loses this after coming back in game 4." And I'm like, "I I don't know, man. Everything about these this postseason is unpredictable and then Columbus wins." But the way that Dallas looks right now and, and Calgary has a little bit of momentum, I'm going to go with the Calgary Flames as well. I'm going to take Calgary in seven in this series.
0: All right, so half of us Dallas, half of us Calgary. That should be interesting. Let's now talk the, fin- the, uh, the final game in the West, and then we'll also quickly go through, the- go through to the East. St. Louis versus Vancouver. This one has me all sorts of confused. Um I've I, I like I said, like we were saying earlier about Dallas, St. Louis didn't have a great great round robin. And I think that will definitely pay a factor. Vancouver didn't play as well as I expected in the in that qualifying round. Although I do like the talent they have on there. Like I like I said in the previous podcast, I like Brock Bester, I like Quinn Hughes, I like Elias Peterson. They're just Something to be said about that um, so I'm giving this one Vancouver in six
1: all right I'll jump in and go second on this one um i uh, i I maybe off base on this entirely but I I think Vancouver is one of the most overrated teams in the postseason I really like the top of their lineup they've got some talent up there Um, I'm surprised by people that already have Quinn Hughes among the top 25 players in the league I think he has significant holes in his game defensively and he gets sheltered he plays a lot of sheltered minutes but he is unquestionably a gifted offensive player I just don't think they have the depth I don't think Vancouver has a lot of team speed I don't think they play well in their own end and I, I think St. Louis can exploit those things because St. Louis has depth. St. Louis has that heavy poor check. And and I thought some of those things might help Minnesota, although Minnesota is not as good in sustaining pressure in the offensive zone. But uh, Minnesota is just not as good a team as St. Louis. Uh, I, I really think the Blues are going to win this series. I'll go St. Louis in six.
3: Real quick, people have Gwyn Hughes as the top twenty 25- five players
1: <laughs> yes. yeah i was talking about with thomas trans from the athletic uh they, they they did a ranking actually and had him among the top 25 players and with uh, that's just crazy to me
0: just, yeah i would yeah uh, so premature. i definitely wouldn't put him in top 25 i like him as a player definitely not top 25 but yeah, he's
1: got a lot of growth left in his game <laughs>
0: yeah, which is fine
1: because he's still really young
0: but oh my god
1: <laughs> that that blew
3: me away um uh, well uh As much as I didn't think that uh, Dallas not having a great postseason is going to prohibit them from winning, I don't think St. Louis losing all of their rounds in a round robin is is really a good indication. Uh, It is the defending champions. Um, I don't necessarily think it's the best matchup for them but I think St. Louis has this one and I think it's going to be in
1: six all
2: right I'm going to go with St. Louis as well, mostly because I don't remember seeing Jordan Bennington play that much in the round robin, so I think they were just saving him for the real games. Yep. Um, And he's definitely a really good goalie, and Jacob Markstrom did not look that good in um, Vancouver's series against the Wild. just so happened that Stalock
1: look worse i mean yeah and i mean minnesota's goaltending was was a train wreck all season and they they just they just didn't have a good option in that series and that that obviously
0: really hurt them yeah
2: so i'm gonna go to st louis and
0: six all right let's go ahead and go quickly through the east um you don't have to go through too much explanation unless you want to but um so we start with Philadelphia and Montreal. Uh big time mismatch. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, I can't believe Montreal is here, guys. I really can't believe Pittsburgh. Of of all the shockers in the first round, that one shocked me the most. I gave Montreal literally zero percent chance of beating Pittsburgh, and they took them out in four games. Okay. Okay. Carry Price was Carry Price, but as, even then, I just I still can't figure that one out, and I can't believe that this team is going to go any farther than this round. I think I saw someone
3: tweet that Carry Price needs to be the Carry Price of twenty fifteen for. My- <laughs> Montreal to stand a chance. And that's a big ask to be the goalie you were five years ago. Uh, Philadelphia is a team that I slept on during the regular season. And now in the postseason, I'm probably a little bit too high on them. I already said that they're my pick for the cup winner. But I, I don't see them going out in this round. It would It's hockey, so anything could happen. But uh, Philadelphia in five.
1: Yeah, they're feeling it, too. And and that's that's interesting Um, that they, they and they they have good goaltending that that has been the missing ingredient for the Flyers for so long. I'll also take them in five, I, I, but I'm really surprised at how and, and I, I don't know if it's it, it's actually true, but Philadelphia was playing well right before the pause. And then they came out of the out of the long pause and they looked every bit as hot as they did going into it. it that's interesting. I, I think they have a heck of a coach, too. And And again, I said, I'm taking Flyers in five.
0: Yeah, I'd, oh, I, like, I didn't give the the uh, Montreal any chance against Pittsburgh either. I I think I even said Pittsburgh in three, and I'm gonna barely even give him as much credit this time. <laughs> you know what? I'm just gonna give a Philadelphia in four. I just don't. I, I again. I just don't think it's a good matchup at all.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go with Philadelphia and four as well. I think that um, Carey Price isn't going to be able to sustain being the 2015 Carey Price for as long as he would need to be. Plus, Carter Hart is pretty darn good. Um, and uh, the the rest of Philly has been, has been great. And they're just going to relish the fact that they're going to eliminate the people who eliminated the Pittsburgh Penguins, too. <laughs>
1: One more note on that series before we move on to the next one. Uh, I don't think this was good for Montreal to win this series. Um, It's not like they've been out of the postseason that long. This is a team that needs to stockpile high draft picks. And by winning, they, you know, they pulled themselves out of the, at least the chance to get a a French Canadian at the top of their lineup. I'm not necessarily convinced that this was a good thing for their progression.
3: Yeah. It definitely seems like they're in a weird rebuild place or retooling or whatever they need to call it. But, I, I was surprised they gave it as much as they did. No one wants to lose, but uh, right. maybe they should have lost. <laughs> yeah.
0: Next series, Tampa Bay-Columbus matched last year. How does this one turn out? <laughs> this is
1: fascinating <laughs> to me, especially because Tampa Bay is banged up. So uh, uh, I, I wonder uh, – you know, I, I sometimes I wonder if if the wounded animal is more dangerous, especially with what Tampa went through last year. They're going to have revenge on their mind, but it would be a lot more comforting if if they were at full strength going into this series. But uh, that all of that aside, I, I still think that Tampa Bay is going to find a way to win this series. But. I got to tell you guys, I don't, I don't feel good about this pick. John Tortorella does a wondrous job of getting his guys ready to play. This could be a long series, but I, I think Tampa Bay is going to escape.
3: Yeah the the East Coast mat- matchups are all really difficult to pick, um, other than the Montreal one. And you're right, Tampa Bay is wounded. I think that's going to make them. Play a little bit more carefully um, and not necessarily go into it thinking that they can beat the Blue Jackets. I think they're going to be nervous uh, in a good way and prepared, uh, prepared enough to to get this one. Uh, I think it's going to be tougher Tampa Bay in six.
2: I don't know. Um, isn't Victor Hedman injured right now?
1: Yes, he is. Yes. Yeah,
2: I find that hard to believe that they'll be able to be a better team defensively than CBJ without Victor Hedman. Um, I'm going to go CBJ and in seven.
0: Ooh. Mm. Interesting. Um, Unless, well... As you guys know from again from my uh, from the previous episode, I have Tampa as my Stanley Cup champion, so I kind of that's one thing I can't back out from, especially coming out of the first round. But you absolutely
3: can. Match. Like, we would not fault you for that. That's fine.
2: Do you think we remember what you meant?
0: <laughs> <laughs> that said, it's going to be a tough matchup: Tampa Bay and seven.
1: Yeah, I just I don't know what Hedman's status is going to be as or Stamkos as this this series uh, wears on. um, But if they if they get Hedman back. um, They they have a much better
0: chance, obviously. All right. Last two matchups. First, Washington and New York Islanders.
2: Very Trot series.
0: (laughs) Seriously. It's a good one. I'll go ahead and say Washington is almost always an exciting team to me. So I'll go straight up and say Washington wins this one in five games.
3: Five. That's pretty confident.
0: Yeah, I am pretty confident on that. I love Alex. Ovechkin. <laughs>
3: Washington, to me, is the team that always loses in the second round, and That's this exactly is exactly <laughs> right <laughs> It's kind of a second round, uh so I don't know what to do with it um and I'm always worried that I'm sleeping on the Islanders like I did during for the Phillies during the regular season. but I think Washington has this one um I'm thinking Washington in six go ahead, Rose.
1: Okay, I am going to stick with the Capitals. Um, (laughs) Like you were saying, I I think they're a second-round losing team. Um, I just I I don't have enough faith in the Islanders' offense to be able to score enough to remain in this series. Uh, Barry Trotz is a a fantastic coach, one of the best in the game, and their defensive structure is as good as any team's. But I just don't think that they can keep up with Washington's firepower. So I'm sorry, I'll, I'll go Washington in six
0: all right and that brings us to the the last series Boston and Carolina
1: speaking of teams that didn't look very good in the round robin what's up with the Boston Bruins yeah (laughs) I don't know. And I don't know what to make of it. I don't know if they just didn't care that much because it wasn't that consequential, but, but now it is, you're playing Carolina. And I know they, they beat them last year, but you'll have the revenge uh, factor for Carolina. Carolina is playing really well right now. I don't know what to make of this series. I I really don't know what to make of the series. And, and if we had started it, you know, right after the, this, the regular season end, I I definitely would have taken the Bruins because they were, in my mind, they were the best team in the league at that point, with Philadelphia coming on hard. But now, I, I just don't know what to make of the Bruins. If this is just uh, them not taking the round robin seriously, or there are significant problems with that team right now, I, I, I think I still have to stick with the Bruins in seven. But I don't feel good about that pick either. And I would not be surprised in the least if Carolina won this series.
0: Carolina has been one of my Favorite teams to watch over the last couple seasons. And like you were saying, Craig, this is like another, like another, it could be another revenge game for for the Hurricanes after what happened last year. And obviously, Carolina is definitely shocked at making that far, being one of the wild madness teams, uh, or wild chaos, whatever you want to call it. The They're better this year. They've been that much more exciting this year. I, uh, I'm going to give it to Carolina in
3: 7 Rose do you want to go? Uh,
2: Sure I'll go ahead Um, The thing about this series for me Is that Carolina Was able to sweep The Rangers pretty handily And they did it Without Dougie Hamilton Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. I think he's going to be Back in time for the, the Boston series too if I recall correctly. So, um, and they're, yeah, I'm reading that they're hopeful that he's going to be back. So I'm, I'm going to go with Carolina and seven. Yeah,
3: I like Carolina in this one. Um, and, and part of me is definitely hesitating because Boston. Uh, but for all the reasons you guys said, I think Carolina's got this one. And I think they're actually going to surprise everyone um, and, and end it quicker than a lot of people would think. I'm going Carolina in six.
1: If, if Car- Carolina wins this series, is is this the end of the Boston Bruins run as we know it? Mm-hmm. Probably. Some of those players are getting a little long in tooth. And uh, I mean, they were so good during the regular season, but they, they lost something in the pause. And it, if it all falls apart here, I wonder.
2: Yeah,
1: isn't Zidane Otero, like, 44 now?
2: Isn't he, like,
3: 67? It's weird, because I remember Boston being, like, not great and, like, just middling for the longest time, and then all of a sudden they became good again, and I'm like, what did I miss? if they didn't add like a significant like young person as far as i could really tell that would cause the impact i don't i don't know what to think of the boston bruins in general yeah
2: they added Charlie McAvoy and David Pastrnak and uh they picked up Yaroslav Kalak as their backup didn't
1: they right yep those <laughs> all helped absolutely and and look Patrice Bergeron to me still remains one of the, I know he gets some attention still but I, he's still one of the most underrated players in the league he's he's a marvel to me he's one of the best two way players I have ever watched, but he's 35 years old. And it, it, if it falls apart for Boston here, right, you just, you, you wonder how many more times they can, they can rally the troops. Uh, I, I know they do have some young players, but some of their key guys are a, a little older. Absolutely. Could, you,
3: could you even imagine the Boston Bruins without Zadeo O'Chara? That's, that's weird. I don't like it. <laughs>
0: It's a little hard to imagine now, is yeah, he?
1: He is a UFA after this season, and he is 43 years old. So at some point, <laughs> I'd like to see an NHL player play to 50. I, I was hoping Jaromir Jagr would do it, but I just can't see it happening. Not yet. Maybe with sports science 10 he years is. down the road.
0: Cowboy Joe Thornton is going to do it. <laughs> as long um, as someone does. Yep. But uh, anyways, so that leads up to our predictions. Craig, I know you're a busy man. You think you got to get somewhere, but uh, before we before we let you go, uh, I know everyone knows you and and your and your site. But I'm going to give this time for a lot to get that plug. Tell us about the uh, the new site you've been running.
1: Uh, it's called uh, AZ Coyotes Insider. It's AZ Coyotes Insider dot com is where you can find it. Um, and basically, I think you guys know the. Uh, the rough batch that I went through in June when the uh, athletic had a, a lot of layoffs and I was one of them. And, and it was uh it's a tough go. It's, it's, it's a tough industry and it's clearly a tough market because they gutted the athletic Arizona. Only two people remain from the 10 that started. Um, but I couldn't envision not covering the coyotes, especially with them going to the postseason for the first time since 2012 So I decided to give this a whirl and I have to say it's it's off to a a surprising and promising start. So hopefully I can keep it going and I appreciate you guys having me on to to promote it a little bit.
3: Uh, I mean it's 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 still really great stuff. I, I didn't expect you to take a drop in quality leaving the athletic and going to your own thing, but that uh that Latinx community article that you did recently, that was just really fascinating to read. I, I don't know if enough people are talking about the the stuff that the team is doing with growing the game in Arizona yeah. like that.
1: Yeah, it, it really is going to be a, a fascinating angle to watch. And obviously you have Alex Morello, who's Cuban-American, and Javier Gutierrez, who is uh, Mexican-American. So it's it's a, an issue very close to their hearts. And again, it's it's really an untapped market in Arizona. And you're talking about a third of the population. So it's just a logical move for them.
3: I remember when Florida started doing Spanish uh, play-by-play and I was like, why isn't Arizona doing that? Why aren't they making these kind of outreaches? And finally, they're starting to do it. It's great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We'll see where it goes from here. Yep. Thanks again, Craig, for, for joining us. We really appreciate it. What we're going to do is we're going to take another quick break to uh, allow this all to come together and then we'll be right back and talk some lottery. You're listening to Desert Dogcast. Welcome back to Desert Dogcast, Fire for Howling and SB Nation's official Arizona Coyotes podcast. I'd like to once again thank Craig for joining us, provided some great insight. Again, one of the uh, Coyotes writers, the best one, best one out there, guys, right?
2: Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Especially now that Richard Moran is leaving uh, Arizona, the Arizona Republic, to go work Northeast somewhere. <laughs> Yeah.
3: It is a shame to see so, or the Coyotes not get the coverage that they probably deserve. I'd I like to see a lot more Coyotes coverage, um, but Craig Morgan is the gold standard, and I, he will be for probably ever for the Coyotes.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, but it was it, again, it was great having him on. Uh, he... Uh, definitely a change of pace than uh, us just quickly bantering at each other, talking about whatever random stuff. But you know, we love that every now and then, right? <laughs> Next time we'll ask him a random stuff, and uh, I'm sure the audience will love it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of can you know people like candid stuff, you know, especially if it's people that they look up to, right?
3: Yeah. Be like Craig. I know you have opinions about hot dog toppings. What about uh, polo sausage choppings? How, how where do they rank? <laughs> uh, that's fun actually. As a Chicago person, you probably, uh, no, I think they're more of an Italian sausage, yeah. A-
2: well, the other thing that happened in, in hockey news recently is that we finally got to find out where the first overall draft pick is going to be heading.
0: Oh, yes, the second part. What they called Phase Two of the NHL Draft Lottery, which I thought was absolutely wild uh, watching it. You know, I will say I loved watching on the air. Great Gary Bettman saying, "Yep, that is that per- that is that team's logo."
2: <laughs> yeah, they sure made it exciting in these trying times. <laughs>
0: I didn't get to watch it live,
2: but
3: I got to watch it via Twitter reactions, which is one of my favorite ways to watch anything. But it is ridiculous. And it also is one of those things where you're like, why isn't it this every year? Why are you guys always trying to complicate the draft? Just freaking balls with logos on them. That's all we need.
0: And has to be Gary Bettman confirming the logos and call- and calling it out. It has to be now. Now on, what's going to be?
2: Well, see, the problem with doing it that way, Carl, is that you're giving every team the same chance, and that's not how the lottery normally
0: works. (laughs) Well, no, you're going to have more balls. Yeah, more balls.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I guess you could just put more balls for the people who have more chances in there. Or
3: you could probably weight the balls differently, and that would impact the odds. That'd be weird. Get some science like teachers in there on to on figure that. it out perfectly.
2: And now, you now it? you're talking about they overcomplicate it. I think you just overcomplicated it.
0: I am By thinking
3: of Brad deals with I fucking love science.
0: By the way, did you guys see the controversy about a uh, weighted ball for this one?
3: Uh, was what? it the I, I saw someone post something about like one of the balls like dropped or something because yeah,
0: of the. Uh... One of the balls dropped, of course, that ended up being the eventual pick in the Rangers. And they, when when they dropped the uh, the New York Rangers ball, it sound it definitely had a heavier drop down the uh, down the tube than oh, any of the other balls.
2: People in the online just <laughs> I, need I, to I, I, stop with the conspiracy I, theories. Conspiracy
0: the theories are so fun, man! I love them. I absolutely love them. But.
3: The draft, especially, always gets the most conspiracy theories, and. People are perfectly fine with different, completely like separate conspiracies being the same. I, I remember listening to one about like, um, what was it, the NBA a while back, and they're like, no, the envelope was bent, and then someone was like, no, the envelope was frozen, and that's how you knew to grab the cold one. And they're like, yeah, it was probably just one of those two. And I was like, that is two very different strategies. At that Neither. point. Just have all the envelopes say the same thing.
0: People love to complain and make conspiracy theories just because their team didn't get that first overall pick. Especially because this year, you got a really good player as that top prospect that everyone seems to be really gunning for.
3: Yeah, but he's no Connor McDavid. I
0: mean, right. he's no Conor yeah, McDavid. Yeah,
2: he's, he's not generational, and he's a winger. I don't know why I mean, people are so, you know...
0: Well, well I think that's the thing is because he's a winger because he he can you can put you can put him on and it adds a little bit more to it um one of the things that I saw I was looking I was looking on stats you know it says it's, it's pretty much that just how good is Alexis lafonnire and uh, it showed the uh, like player a b c and d and you know one guy was far and away the better player than any but than any of the other players three and that they said in the article was Sidney Crosby. The second player, not quite as good as that uh, the top player, but still really close. That was Connor McDavid. Then you had a pretty significant drop almost as like, but still really, really good. That's Alexi Lafreniere. And then slightly below that is Taylor Hall. So they're looking at again, all those number one, n- number one picks and that I I think that's what I'm trying to con- to tell people that he's closer to like a Taylor Halls type player, but again, but he's a winger, so he's gonna have that kind of impact on a team. Don't expect him to become a superstar in day one, but he's gonna make an impact.
2: Yeah. Uh, I agree. The team that ended up winning the rights to, to choose Alexei Lafreniere, the consensus number one, is actually the Rangers. I don't think we've that, said that yet.
3: I've, we <laughs> we alluded, to okay.
2: alluded to it. <laughs> so the New York Rangers are now going to have some of, the, like, four or five of the best wingers in the game, including Alexei Lafreniere, Artemi Panarin, Chris Kreider and Capo Kako, who was the number two overall last year. I know he didn't have a real great season, but hopefully he gets better.
3: Yeah. And it's also, like, uh, we mentioned it earlier, like, a lot of these guys are young. Um, so I don't imagine them being a game changer. But still, the Rangers get a really good pick. Uh, and better for the Coyotes, they only have to see him twice a year.
0: Yeah, that's one of the things I was trying to mention, too. I was like, all right, who do I want to win this? I didn't really think much of the Rangers getting them. My only thought was, you know, keep them out of the West. I think that's all I really care about. And I was like, you know, but it's probably going to be the Oilers or it's probably going to. And then thinking of the Eastern team, it's probably going to be the Penguins. So it being the Rangers, you know, I can't really complain too much.
2: Yeah, if it can't be my team, then I definitely want it in the other
0: conference. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I uh, I did a
3: really quick write up that went up this morning, or possibly yesterday morning, depending on when you're listening to this, um, about the different options and how they rank for the Coyotes. Uh, I put the Rangers as a mixed bag. They're not the Florida Panthers, which I thought would be ideal because they're the Florida Panthers. You can give them whatever you want. Um, I was really Disappointed that I wasn't able to root for Nashville. I I like the Nashville Predators, um, even after, or especially after that series because I thought that the fan base is, was really cool about everything. Um, they seem like a really good team. I would have liked to see a great player go to them, but if we're moving to their conference, I don't want to see him six times a year. That's just too much.
0: The other thing that I love that was uh, joked around before the lottery was picked was the talking about some of the teams, like Minnesota, who's never won the lottery. They never had a first overall pick. And uh, I love how that was the storyline for some people. It's like, oh, you got to give it to a team that's never had it before going through all that. And, you know, like, I get this sentiment, but like it's even chances for everyone. And it, yeah, it does suck that Minnesota or I think even some other team Nashville hasn't, how do you, doesn't even have a first rounder or a first overall.
2: Team. Yeah. Coyotes fans know how that goes. Just because you're the worst team doesn't mean you get the best player. Yeah.
0: Yep.
3: <laughs> I, I have dealt in my real jobs with too many people who are say who will say, do you know how long I've been a customer why won't you do this for me? And I always want to say, so if you just started yesterday, do you want me to treat you like crap and not do anything for you? Because you can't have it both ways. If you think that you are been around for longer, you get special privileges, then ugh, I'm sorry. That's just not the way of the world. And it annoys me to no end whenever someone says it. Luckily, it was mostly like media people talking about it. It wasn't like the wild fan base being like, we deserve a first overall pick because no one deserves any kind of lottery win. It's the point of it being a lottery.
0: Yeah, it's the point of a lottery. <laughs> like, uh, but again, yeah, now that, now that the Rangers have it, that's out of the way. All that talk's out of the way. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be scary good to have uh, Kreider, Panarin, Cabocaco and... LaFreniere, all on the same team. Rangers are going to be good guys in the next couple of years.
3: I mean, who do they have to take over when Lundqvist leaves?
0: Either Georgiev or Shostakin, and both of them are do a fantastic job. Mm. So I'm not too worried about them.
2: They just need better defense. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's and luckily, definitely...
0: when they, having Kabukako uh, and Lafreniere on potential or on, like, you know, entry-level deals, they got some money to spend.
3: Yeah, that's true. Always good to have money to spend. and ELCs will give you a lot in hockey. Although, definitely much less than we used to see. You're no longer seeing, like, that three-year bridge deal that you made all the young superstar players sign. Now it's like, all right, ELC's done. Give you seven years with decent amount of money. Uh, well, don't it's
0: you just, just love more cost the way... effective that way. Sorry. Yeah. Well, well you had that plus, you know, the way the way it affects the cap too. Uh, you, like, unlike how the or how the previous CBA was and allowed those. 16 year deals.
3: I think also just like a lot of younger players like stood up and were like, no screw waiting three years. If I'm one of the top producers, you got to pay me and I'll sit out if I have to like Mitch Marner. He's getting a lot of heat in Toronto right now. But if I was a player and especially like a younger player, like entering the league, I'd be sending him a thank you basket every day.
0: I think another thing too, about that is uh the reason why it was hard before is because of, you know restricted free agency, which of course is still a thing, and people were like, "Yeah, you know, a offer sheet rarely ever happens, so we're just going to sign you this deal, and you know, you kind of have to take it almost because, well, where else are you going to go? Yeah, where else are you going to go? And if you, if a team offers you, the, the team is going to pro- like, if a team wants to offer sheet you is probably going to be about the same amount, and then we'll 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 match it, and then we'll. And then you you are so you're you're kind of stuck here, but now because teams, as we find out, is no longer or no longer afraid to offer sheet as we saw especially last year with the uh, offer sheet of Sebastian Aho, Um which of course was matched. So it tells me even then. Uh, but
3: that was the stupidest offer sheet, by the way. Uh, but continue. Was, but, but teams
0: aren't afraid to offer sheet anymore. So yeah, I think they are. <laughs> Whoa. Well, I think yes.
2: uh, I think that Montreal was just trying to to test the resolve of the Carolina owner. But the fact that Sebastian Ahos was the only offer sheet we saw when there were like half a dozen others that could have happened and didn't means that teams are afraid to offer sheets.
0: Yeah.
3: And yeah. I don't
2: think it's the whole gentleman's agreement of you know, if you offer sheet, me I'll offer sheet, your guys, blah blah blah. I don't think it's that. I think it's They don't want to risk. They don't want to give up the picks. They don't want to give up the money to offer sheet these guys either. Because what that does is, like, with P.K. Subban and with Shea Weber, it ended up causing the baseline salary for the market to go up. Yeah. Um. So, I don't think we'll be seeing many more offer sheets anyway.
0: Yeah, I, I, I always speculate. I think last year going in because of the l- looking at some of the deals, I even questioned, questioned. It. I had an episode that even that pretty much the title that episode of Inside the Glass was questioned. Is this the year of the offer sheet? And obviously, we only saw one, like you said. Um, but um, that's probably pro- part of where I came from just because like I think, oh, maybe it's starting to, you know, rear its ugly head again, these offer sheets. But yeah, I think I, I think you're actually right, Rose. It's we're not going to see them pretty often. But uh, yeah, these just the way that restricted free agency works now. You know, they these superstars now want their uh, their well deserved contracts.
2: Yeah, but that's going to be a lot harder for them to negotiate with the flat cap coming through. Yeah, that's going to be
0: rough. I'm interested to see how that yeah, d- d- definitely how that plays out because uh, you know it, it it's going to be the first time we've had a flat cap in a while and. In, like what Craig was saying, it's probably going to be that way for a couple of years. And the last few years it was always going up, you know, one, $2 million each year. And, you know, I think even before, before the pandemic, everyone thought that the next year it was going to be like, you know, 84, maybe even 85 million, you know, probably one of the biggest jumps we ever had. And because of that, expectation and what we're going to get now teams kind of have to rethink their strategy going into that off season.
3: Yeah, I think post pandemic is, is, uh, is a world away and I don't know what that's going to be yet. I don't know what tomorrow is going to be during the pandemic, but I, I think it's definitely going to have a major impact on how things happen. Um, with regards to how deals are signed, I do see, and in my opinion, it's a great move to um, to give younger players their due. I feel like there's less of a mentality of, hey, you're new, prove it, you got to earn your dues. Uh, we saw that back with Austin Matthews going to Europe as opposed to going to juniors. Uh, that was like a first time but i think we're going to see something interesting i think there's a younger player out there who's going to do something that's unprecedented in terms of their deal in the next coming years
0: we will see indeed um yeah anyways anyone want to give us some final thoughts before we close things off
2: You know, I I do just want to point out something about my predictions, Um, even though I went against the Coyotes. um, In the last qualifying round, I was four for 12. So I don't put a lot of faith in predictions, (laughs) especially my own.
0: I'll tell you right now, I was worse. I think I only got two or I think I only got three right. Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing about. About the Stanley Cup playoffs, though, you know, it's, you know, anything happens. Obviously, that round technically wasn't playoffs. It was playing qualifiers. But still, like, we're in the postseason. The, you know, anything goes, especially in this new format during pandemic restart after, you know, four months off. So, you know, and you we really, we really can't really tell. Our predictions.
2: They're just for fun. Yeah,
0: yeah, for the most part.
3: I have had um family ask me if they ever want me to or want to uh, want me to have them place a bet for you guys get what I'm saying. Uh, for hockey games, and it's like, no, never bet on hockey cause hockey is weird and stupid, and I'd love it. But you can't do those kind of predictions for a single game, let alone a five I game series, did- a seven game series.
0: I told you I made a bet on a coyotes game for new, around New Year's time when I went to uh, Reno and uh, oh, I won that one but again I I don't do it often because well that's just not a good way to make money um,
3: it's a really good way to lose money oh yeah that's that's, that's for sure yeah. i mean it's gambling in general so true unless only you count cards, you. cards then yeah do you
2: uh, only make bets you can afford to lose
0: <laughs> this is very true yeah good life lessons being being dished out here on on Desert Dogcast guys.
3: I mean, my strategy in Vegas is always just to sit down at a table and get a bunch of free drinks and try not to lose too much money and hope I drink more than I lose and I normally come out on top because I order very expensive whiskey drinks.
0: Ah. <laughs> uh, smart thinking. Yep. Anyways awesome. though. Go ahead. I was about to close things off. So, if you want to say one last thing,
3: no, I was just going to, you know, talk about what our old fashions. So, yeah,
0: we're good. Ah, fair enough. Well, that will go ahead. We'll go ahead and close things off then. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Desert Dogcast. Really, really appreciate you all listening. Uh, also, once again, thanks to Craig Morgan for joining us. Uh, it, again, a really great conversation that we had with him. We hope to bring him on uh, more often. As we, uh, as we continue to grow this show. If you guys liked what you heard here today, as a reminder, you can subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcasting platform, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or literally anything else. You can find us everywhere. Uh, also, feel free to follow us on Twitter, at Dogcast at Five for Howling, myself, at Rob Leonio one Carl,
3: I am at Carl Pavlock F F H,
0: and Rose.
2: I'm at Rose Colored Fact.
0: You can follow us there. If you have questions, you can you can tweet at any of us, and we will uh, relay that to our uh, our group, and we will talk about it maybe on our next podcast episode. As we try as much as we can to to uh, answer any questions that you guys might have, um, and if we can't answer that, well. I'm sure someone can. Anyways, once again, thanks for listening. We will see you guys next time.
2: Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone.